Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to The Universe Next Door. Uh, Today, we are going to be picking up a line of discussion and exploration of the universe that we were introducing last week here at The Universe Next Door. We are excited that we carry the name of a great book called The Universe Next Door, which was really the inspiration when we switched from our former uh, podcast broadcast name, Darwin and Design. But we still deal with Darwin and Design issues, but we do it from the standpoint of world views. And if I can just do a quick plug, remind everyone that there is one fabulous, awesome, amazing, fantabulous book available to study worldviews from a Christian perspective, but it goes into about a dozen of the major worldviews and does so succinctly but in great descriptive detail with careful analysis of each one of them. The New Age worldview, the postmodern worldview, the Islamic worldview, the worldview of atheism or deism, and of course that kind of strange Eastern worldview called pantheistic Eastern monism. Wow, what a name, huh? How are you feeling, Nick Shauna? Oh, you look great. I hope you're feeling equally great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty great. Okay. Did you have a great New Year, a celebration of the New Year here just so in the last I couple have. weeks? Yeah. So I have. I, I'm excited about our journey together in apologetics and broadcasting. I think we're going to have the best year yet. Would you agree? Oh, I would more than agree. That's very good. So today we're going to be picking up kind of a, a discussion, a line of thought, an analysis that we started last week. We were talking about the great dark energy crisis. And, you know, we've heard of energy crisis, uh, you know, in here in the United States. Uh, we had people lining up under the Jimmy Carter presidency. I can remember in, what, 76, 77, 78. And there were lines, long lines at gas stations. Why? There wasn't enough gas. <laughs> it was rationed almost. And uh, that was a crazy time. Well, we don't have any lack of gas now, and gas is really at a pretty good price, comparatively speaking. But today we want to talk about this and kind of conclude our discussion of the dark energy theory, which has fallen on hard times. So if it has fallen on hard times, we need to understand why that's so, and what is the fallout? I mean, what are the implications? What is in in effect the big so what, or it could be a whole group of so what's that fall from the foundering, from the struggle, from you might say it's a place where dark energy theory is drawing closer to complete rejection and just a shrug of the shoulders and we don't know what's going on. So um, Nick, uh, with your assistance, I'm going to plunge right in. Are we good to go? Very good. So to kind of bring us back to where we were discussing dark energy last week, we said that the Bible made it clear. We we actually went into Acts 17, where Paul is speaking to Mars Hill, 
to the group of uh, philosophical intellectuals there with all their speculations about God and the universe. And he was uh, making very clear that God had created the world and created mankind from from one individual, literally from from an original couple. I didn't even mention, but that's a one of the strongest stances against racism, combating racism that we find in the Bible, right there in Acts 17. It's a powerful, powerful passage. We we read that. We we mentioned that other passages, Colossians chapter one, John one, Hebrews one. Emphasize not just creation, but the the authorship of creation is the very person of Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ, in his pre-incarnate form as deity, as fully God, and now fully God and fully man, had created the universe for God's pleasure, for his pleasure. And then he created you and me for his pleasure, to have a relationship with, with us. And Paul is making it clear that the, the very God who made us for himself and who of of whom at least in the in being created in God's nature with the characteristics of God himself of mentality and and thinking and loving and analysis and relationships those things really reflect the very nature of God but we're broken uh we're laden with the sin problem and and there's authority of Christ over the creation really indicated by the resurrection of Christ he will judge mankind but but salvation is offered and of course that's the big message of the Bible is that we have a way back to God through Christ. Now, bring in alongside that biblical message this new theory, which you can actually try to work dark energy in alongside or blend it in with Christian teaching. Uh, Hugh Ross is one uh, astrophysicist who is also a Christian evangelist, and he's tried uh, over the last 20 years to do that. He's actually said that dark energy theory uh, raises to an even higher level the manifest fine-tuning of the universe. So I I studied the, those declarations of Hugh Ross. I thought, well, that's interesting. And to this day, I haven't discussed it with Hugh Ross. He's, he's a friend of mine. We don't agree on every uh, point of uh, analysis of Bible and science, but I think he's done a lot of uh, positive uh, contribution, made, made a lot of positive contributions to this area of scientific apologetics. That's undeniable. So, but now, dark energy is in crisis. And let's just take two seconds to review what dark energy is. Dark energy is causing, Nick, a, a very, really weird phenomenon. Do you remember what that was? There's something about the universe that it seems to be accelerating. It's always expanding at different well, the expansion was known before dark energy, but now there's a pedal-to-the-metal phenomenon. The dark energy is not just causing the continued expansion. It's making out at the fringes of the universe, the expansion is, is speeding up. Mm-hmm. It's getting faster and faster. And the acceleration of the expansion is that phenomenon that dark energy was supposed to explain. So what is dark energy? Well, it always seemed very mysterious to me. It always seemed like, like, would you explain that one more time? You know, when someone in the astrophysics area would, uh, I'm not quite under, there's something kind of, we we can't really directly detect it, but it's sort of there filling the space-time continuum. It's almost like a mysterious uh, anti-gravity stuff that fills the universe and pushes everything out so that it's expanding faster and faster. And that's the best I can do. Now, here in the opening days of 2019, 
it's becoming more and more open. They're not hiding it. They're not just whispering this in the corners of their astronomy and cosmology, you know, laboratories or observatories and the lecture halls. It's actually being printed in public. The dark energy seems to be suffering a major problem. We can't put our finger on what it is. Neil deGrasse Tyson, not exactly an advocate of a biblical worldview, known for his clear-cut atheism, his opposition to creation, his opposition to intelligent design. He recently admitted, and we quoted this last week, yes, we are clueless. That's quite an admission. We find that uh, such um, luminaries as um, some of the professors at Columbia and Princeton, at Duke and MIT and Caltech, are chiming in. Um, I, I, I've, I'm looking here at a, you know one comment which says, while we are not there yet, ultimately, um, the pie chart of mass and energy density of the entire universe, universe may need to be revisited to scrub out the two biggest parts. This is a statement from a well-known bio, uh, excuse me, a, a well-known cosmologist, an expert in cosmology. And so his name is Andre Mader, M-A-E-D-E-R. And he basically says, um, our models of the universe may need to be radically revised. The most fundamental stuff Dark energy, 73%. And now we're going to be turning to this other chunk of the universe. And this has actually been uh, hypothesized for close to 30 years. Actually, it's been a little, little, just a little over 30 years. The dark matter was hypothesized as another chunk of the universe that we cannot very easily detect. We can only indirectly detect it. And so what I'm, what I'm saying here is that the, the case for dark energy has hit a huge speed bump. But we could say it's worse than that. Dark energy appears to be the factor that everyone said was driving the universe apart. But this master uh, dominant chunk of the universe, over 70% of the stuff, of the mass energy of the universe may not exist after all. The scientists have been telling us this for 20 years. What does that tell us about science? Telling us that we'll believe anything. (laughs) Well, we defer to the authority of scientists and then teach it as a fact, and then those so-called facts have to be revised a few years later. And, you know, to me, this is very significant, Nick, because when I tell students that there is a bias in our schools and in our media that if science says it, well, you can count on it. I would say it's almost to the place where if science says it, hold on to your wallets, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, take a bit of wait and see or skepticism, you know, skeptical attitude, so that we were open to whatever the scientists say they have demonstrated, but that we're not being led down the primrose path. We're not just assuming, you know, before it's been proven, a priori, oh, wow, if science says it, then you can count on it. And so now we're going to shift to, from the the mysterious matter, which has been popular for just under 20 years, dark energy, 
that, uh, by the way, that was hypothesized when they found out that the quasars, which are extremely powerful, uh, there's like a star times a trillion because it's emitting one star about the size of a solar system is emitting as much energy as an entire galaxy would would be emitting in the in the radio frequencies. So these quasars are like the the beacons of the distant universe and these quasars are supposedly accelerating. So if they are accelerating, I guess that's maybe a fact, but maybe God is displaying his greatness possibly the the deletion or the exclusion of a super intelligent and a super powerful being that we know as Yahweh or the the all-knowing all-powerful one and only I am. I am who I am, God. You know, if you exclude that possibility, then this becomes a, a gigantic vacuum of explanation. But we know that God even says in the Old Testament, I stretched out the cosmos. So if he stretches out the cosmos with an acceleration factor, all the, all the cooler and all the more marvelous, I would say. Now, so what's dark matter? Shifting gears now from dark energy to dark matter. Dark matter is in trouble, too. I actually was able to pick off the internet three articles, not one, not two, but three articles that deal with the issue of dark matter. Dark matter was hypothesized originally by a couple of astronomers in the 1970s and 80s who noticed that the rotation of galaxies wasn't what it should be. That is, if you look at the stars out at the rim of these beautiful spiral galaxies, that are like a Frisbee. I always think of it as a Frisbee, but a Frisbee not made of plastic. But think of a Frisbee twirling through the air made of literally 100 or 200 billion stars arranged in those gigantic arms. Our own galaxy is like a star Frisbee uh, hurtling through space. And I think they say it takes 200 million years to make one rotation. Well, you can actually track the speed of the rotation of these spiral galaxies. And just as you sometimes may put a little cream in, in, in a cup of coffee, have you ever done that? And, and you see these little swirls form on the top. And, and if you do a little, you know, a good kind of stroke with your spoon and get things turbulent and moving fast, you'll see these little eddies, these little whirlpools form. Remember? And sometimes the outside of those whirlpools doesn't move much, but the inside is moving fast. Okay, according to gravitational and just mass energy calculations, these galaxies, the outside should be moving much slower, and the inside should be moving relatively faster the closer you get into the to the hub to the to the core of the galaxy. But what they find is just shocking because the outside stars are moving as fast as the inside stars, so it keeps that beautiful spiral shape from being turned into a a blur, a disaster. In other words, the the gorgeous elegance of spiral galaxies is maintained because everything is turning together. Even the outside stars are moving relatively (laughs) faster than they're expected. So it's the rotation not only of individual galaxies, but galaxies actually rotating around each other in a cluster. Uh, Fritz uh, Zwickli, I think is his name, detected this all the way back in the 60s. And he pointed it out. Everybody said, huh? Shrugged their shoulders and moved on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so he was the first to notice this bizarre phenomenon. 
So back around the mid-80s, no later than 88, I remember it was the first year I began teaching here at Trinity College, they suddenly announced that, ta-da, of the physical stuff, we're talking about atoms of some kind. We don't know exactly what these are, if they exist. But these atoms and molecules, some people say they may be neutrinos, which are very, very light particles that fly the speed of light uh, through the through the universe, and there's probably a couple million just flew through your body just now, Nick. Uh, did you feel the tickle? It did. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was up in your right ear. Okay, one of them hit your right ear drum. So, uh, but no, seriously, they don't know what this dark matter is, but they said there must be, for every one piece of ordinary matter, there must be six pieces of dark matter that that ordinary visible matter is embedded in. What that means is if there are 200 billion stars in our galaxy, then there's the equivalent of a trillion, not, not, they're not actually stars, but the equivalent of a trillion stars of stuff that you can't see. It's like invisible. It's there, but you just can't detect it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the image they kind of show is like a big spiderweb-looking thing okay. that's holding everything together. That works for me. <laughs> I like that. Is that from Nick Neil deGrasse Tyson too? It may have been. May have been. At least yeah. It. yeah. So dark matter has been taught as fact. I mean, and, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not a cosmologist by training. I, whenever I teach the basic stuff of the universe, I have for the last at least twenty years included this dark energy. Seventy. Some people say seventy-three percent of the mass of the universe. Now, that's under severe questioning. And then dark matter is supposed to be 23% of the total mass energy of the universe. And ordinary matter, get this, is only 4%. So the stuff that you can photograph, it's just a tiny little squidgen of the total mass energy of the universe. Well, dark matter is in trouble. Not just dark energy, but dark matter. Because they've had ideas as to what it is. And the more detectors they build, the more sophisticated experiments they run, the more observational uh, inventories they carry out, they, came, they come up empty-handed. They had an idea called wimps. Now, I've, I've, I think my brothers, when I was growing up, called me a wimp, you know, because I was the 97-pound weakling. I couldn't throw a football as far as they could. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. I was a little bit on the small side. My three older brothers were big, and they were the athletes of the family. I did my best. I ran track and did what I could. But I was the wimp. Well, this is not that kind of wimp, okay? A wimp in particle physics and in study of dark matter means weakly interacting massive particles, which means it's a mystery. It's a placeholder for a mystery. Macho, you you know, people who strut around and act like they're really a super masculine. Macho, in, in the study of this area, machos are massive compact halo objects. That's what M-A-C-H-O. So they tried to look for machos, massive compact halo objects, things that were like the, the planet Jupiter, planet Saturn. They're just kind of, they're, they're too small to reflect much light, but they're there. And they're adding together all these uh, like planetary phenomena and, and individually these uh, trillions times trillions of, of these wimps, these weakly interactive massive particles. And they've developed very sophisticated experiments in order to detect them. And what is that, the result of that? Let me read from this wonderful article from our favorite website for these kinds of questions and issues, 
crev.info. It's actually from uh, just a little bit over a year ago. It's the best one of the best summaries I've seen, and it's called Dark Matter. Dark Matter Mystery Deepens. Jerry Bergman, our good friend, teaches up at a college in Ohio, said, "Quote: The discoverers of dark energy um, were awarded a Nobel Prize in 2011. Measurements of supernova luminosities." were especially important in postulating the dark energy theory. And as one commentator stated in an endnote to the article, uh, to a recent major article, it appears that these researchers have falsified the standard cosmological constant. According to secular cosmologists, dark energy is a mysterious unknown force behind not only the expansion of the universe, but its acceleration. According to the new consensus view, dark energy will eventually rip apart the very fabric of space-time. But, and then he points this out very, very clearly, this evidence, supposed convincing evidence, has fallen apart in front of us. But that's not all. Dark energy is not the only mysterious dark component of modern cosmological models. There's also dark matter. And then he talks about how the rotation of galaxies is supposedly the uh, sure proof, the ultimate evidence. And so what's happening with dark matter? The invention of this whole idea of dark matter has been reflected on by Bob Nickel. He's a co-author of a very important study. And he says since its discovery at the end of the last century, We have seen this as a riddle wrapped in an enigma. We're all desperate to gain some greater insight into its characteristics and origin. But the nature of this missing mass has become one of the most terrible unsolved problems in modern physics. So, is dark matter a myth? Is the idea of the invisible mass that is holding galaxies together, is that somehow heading off on the wrong direction, getting off on the wrong foot. Well, um, I think it's very relevant to point out, as David Coppage, our friend at Krev.info, is the physicists are growing ever more frustrated. And their hunt for dark matter, that massive but hard-to-detect substance that is thought to comprise 85% of the material universe, uh, appears to have come up empty. It's come up missing in their most sophisticated experiments. Um, One of the most important ways of approaching this is called a GPS search for what's called a domain wall, dark matter. And that has just come up completely empty. One comment said, mining 16 years of archival data, we find no evidence for domain walls at our current sensitivity level. And in this article, uh, it's called, Is Dark Matter a Myth? November 28th, 2017. So literally just over a year ago, there at Krev.info, David Coppage concludes at the end, we are seeing the simultaneous collapse of not one, but two modern scientific myths. The myth of dark energy and the myth of dark matter. Now, what causes these phenomena? We don't know. But I think that uh, God is strutting his brilliant, creative, and actually uh, actively forming activity as we see the cosmos in front of us. The great mystery looms on 
and scientists do their best, but the Bible supplies the ultimate answer. Thank you for listening to The Universe Next Door. We'll see you back here next week. And before you go, we wanted to let you know about our DNA model that's available at apologetics.org. This plastic model is over three feet long, has 21 rungs in seven different colors to represent the building blocks of DNA. This really is an amazing model. I've used it personally in a ton of different ways. And we just had a story about a guy who used it to teach creation to over a hundred international students who have never heard the gospel. So go to apologetics.org, save $10 and free shipping. See you back here next week. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in The Universe Next Door. Apologetics.org. This DNA model is over three feet long. It's a plastic model with 21 rungs in seven different colors representing the building blocks of DNA. Uh, this is an amazing model. I've used it in lectures, sermons, and it really does go a long way, and it's cool to have in your office. So get on Apologetics.org right now, save $10 and free shipping. That's Apologetics.org.